Our God is alive and well. Amen. Today I got a word that will bless you. And we've been in a, I guess it's a series. I'm calling it Cast of Characters. Amen. And, um, and it's all revolving around the people that uh, is involved in this resurrection, Easter, Good Friday, crucifixion story. And so if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about Caiaphas, the high priest. Y'all remember that? When we talked about intent is before content. And so before there is a, a question, there's a questioner. Before there's a statement, there's a listener. And the intention of the heart of the questioner is going to always shape the answer that is given. So that's why sometimes you could answer people and give them a truthful answer and they still find fault in what you said because they're always shaping what you say. Amen. You could present facts to people and people would shape your facts to their uh, fiction. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And uh, then last week we talked about my good brother Peter. Y'all remember Peter? We talked about you can be sincere, but sincerely wrong. Come on, make some noise if you have been sincerely wrong. Make some noise if you've been sincerely wrong this week. Make some noise if you're sitting next to somebody who's always sincerely wrong, but they ain't clapping. Clap for them. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, I want to stay married. And we talked about the fact I brought my ice cream last week, and somebody said, you had the right brand too, Pastor. I ain't going to tell you who it was. But I gave you the example that if, if the ice cream spoke from the solid state and all it ever knew was the solid state, and I'm trying to tell it, you're going to freeze if you come out the fridge. It'll speak from the situation it is known. And sometimes when you speak from the situations that you are always used to, you could be sincere, but unless you get the perspective of somebody from the outside and that somebody is God, amen, you could be sincere but sincerely wrong. And Peter's whole life, from the time he met Jesus, he said, I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, nope, you're a fisher of men. And he said, you are the Christ, but ain't nobody going to kill you. And Jesus said, you are Satan. <laughs> yeah, right? And then he goes on, he says, Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Never will I deny you. I, even if all men fail, I shall never fail thee, Jesus. The rooster going to crow, and you're not only going to do it once, you're going to do it three times, my guy. And he did it. And then finally, Jesus said, do you love me? And it hurt him. And he's quick. He said, you, and then the last time Jesus said, he said, you know, you know, you know me better than I know myself. And how I many you know the Lord knows you better than you know yourself? Because if I were to be honest, I'm still trying to figure me out. I've been with me a long time. Sometimes I say to myself, I can't believe you did that or said that. Can I get a witness? 
Hallelujah. I know how to fix everybody else but me. This guy don't listen to me. How many of you are very encouraging to others? And you got a word for them. And the Lord is good. But when it comes to you, don't tell me about that Lord stuff right now, me. <laughs> Keep that healing stuff for those who need it. I know. I... Amen, somebody. Amen. Today, what I want to talk to you about is another brother who is involved in this story. And it's a lot. This series would have to continue for the rest of the year, really. If I talked about all the people that are involved in the crucifixion story, because you got all the disciples, you got all of the people that Jesus touched. Then you got the characters that are inanimate objects like the veil, like the stone that was rolled away. All these things have significance. So I wouldn't be able to touch on everything. But if you come back next Easter and we didn't go home. Because, you know, some people only never mind. Hallelujah. Some people only come when he rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. There's a statement. There's a statement, and you've probably heard it before. It goes like this. The elephant in the room. I remember hearing that for the first time, and I was like, he talking about there's an elephant in the room. They usually use it like, yo, ain't nobody going to talk about the elephant in the room. And I was like, there's an elephant in the room? <laughs> I was young. And somebody said, no, no. If there's an elephant in the room, it would be obvious, right? Like, there's a roach in the room right now. <laughs> we, we are glad we don't know. We can ignore it, right? If there's a little ant running around somewhere, he cool. But if a big elephant walked up in the room and just sat somewhere and we all act like there ain't an elephant back there, the elephant ain't crazy, it's the people in the room. So what the statement means is there's something that is very obviously different in the room and it's something that you can't ignore. And so the story I'm about to read is about three people that were very close friends to Jesus. See, I can't even move on yet. I've been preaching about these people for the last three weeks. Well, except for Peter. And that is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Y'all remember them? And these three people, the last time we saw them after this story I'm about to read, Jesus just rose their brother Lazarus from the dead. Come on, somebody. Do you know what it's like to be the guy who was dead but is living again? Somebody said no. Good answer. But if you died and came back to life and you walked back, you automatically, man, for the rest of your life, people want to know who you are, what is it about you. And so Lazarus was pretty popular at this time, and his house was not far away from Jerusalem. Thus, when Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday, that's why the he was so popular at the time, and people were throwing the palm branches 
because all you literally had to do was go a couple blocks over and you'd see Lazarus who was dead but is now alive. Not only was he dead, he was dead dead. You know, sometimes you go on the internet and you see these fake preachers raising people from the dead. Y'all seen them. And then you find out homeboy was paid and like his casket wasn't even really locked up, you know. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Listen, there's a lot of preachers out there faking jacks, man. You got to be careful who you put your trust in. But Lazarus wasn't dead for like 10 minutes, and Jesus, like, Jesus made sure he was dead. When they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, the Bible says he loved them so much that he stayed where he was two days. That statement, that's how it reads. It says, Jesus loved them so much that he stayed where he was two days. That doesn't make sense. If I love you so much, I'm coming immediately to your rescue. But how I many of you know Jesus don't work on your clock, your time? He show up when he wants to. And if the situation don't agree with him, he'll change the situation to agree with him. Jesus turned to the disciples two days later, let's go see Lazarus. He's asleep. They said, why are we going back to a place where they want to kill us? If he's asleep, if he's asleep, he's going to wakey wake. Leave us here. They said, no, he's not. Jesus said, no, he ain't asleep. He's dead. But he's only dead so that I may get glory. Jesus goes there. The story takes place. He calls Lazarus from the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes hopping out in his grave clothes. Because I mean, know when God pulled you out from death to life, there's still indications of what was dead still wrapping you. So sometimes when you get saved, that change is not immediate. That's why I keep telling you, if you are perfect, you don't need God. And when you come to the Lord Jesus, oftentimes you got a lot of grave clothes on you. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. So don't judge anybody when they come to the Lord and they still got a, a little bit of remnants of. Now, the goal ain't to keep the remnants. A lot of people love to say that, amen, because they're like, yeah, I'm going to keep drinking. I'm going to keep getting bent every weekend because it's grave clothes, Lord. I don't know about you, but I don't always want to be in grave clothes. I want new clothes. Oh, man. What's the point of getting delivered from something that still has a stronghold over you? The Bible says he that the son is set free is free indeed. You know what free indeed means? A couple of years ago, there was two ladies, I believe, that escaped from uh, some prison upstate New York or somewhere. They escaped. They were free. <laughs> they were free, but every time they made a run or try to live, there was something looking for them. And a lot of us, we come to the Lord and we try to make it look like we're free. God don't want you to make it look. He wants to set you free. And it takes a process. It's not a one-day step. It didn't take you one day to get into the stuff you got into. 
Hallelujah. And so, so it takes a process. And so, so, so there's a difference when you get freed after you've done your time and you walk out. Ain't no police chasing you. You free indeed. The Lord don't want you to be looking over your shoulder and something calling you every second. He wants you to be free indeed. Amen. Amen. And so there's a, the three people now invited Jesus to dinner. Come on, somebody. It's good to invite Jesus to dinner. It's good to have Jesus in your house. And so we go to the book of John, chapter 12, verse number 1. And we're going to read there, and I'm going to preach for the next three hours. On the subject, the fourth person at the table. Because we got three people at the dinner table. Yes, he is alive forevermore. I'm about to go back there and have church with the kids. So y'all like, man, pastor, I love the church, but the kids be loud. Then help me get a new building. Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't leave the church. Get a new building. Hallelujah. We want to talk about the fourth person who's at this dinner table. You say, well, the fourth person is Jesus. No, I'm not talking about him. And we're going to see who it is in a minute. John chapter 12, verse 1, and let's read. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And the first thing we know about Martha is said about her. Look at this. Martha served, right? Martha did what? While Lazarus was among those. <laughs> Look at your boy Lazarus. What do you do? Nothing. He did it all. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Sometimes what he did for you speaks louder than anything you can ever say for yourself. He is a walking testimony. Anybody that ever doubts Jesus, you say, look, Lazarus. I, can't, I don't know, but talk to Lazarus. Is there anything in your life that you can point to that no matter what men say, you just know, I know he did this for me and I can't explain it. But he did it for me. Lazarus is reclining on a lazy boy. Watching TV, getting ready to watch Steph Curry play. Jerusalem Warriors. <laughs> Lazarus is chilling at the table, boy. When you know the one who can defeat death, you recline. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah, right? He's reclining at the table. One's missing. Sister Mary. And look what happens here. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. An expensive perfume. 
This is very expensive. And she came to him and she poured it on Jesus's. Wait, the Bible just said it's expensive. And she put it on the part because back then they didn't have sneakers like we did. When they walked, it was dusty and they always had a, a, a dish at the door to wash the feet because that was dirty. That's why when Jesus washed every disciple's feet and Peter said, if that's the case, Jesus, wash all of me. He said, no, only your feet are dirty, Peter. <laughs> because as they traveled, their feet was dirty. So she took the thing that is valuable and said it's not even worth as much as your feet. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that when you see the things that you chase in this world as more valuable than Jesus, then you haven't really found the value of Jesus? Come on, somebody. I remember one time somebody was working with me and they, they had to do some designing of some clothing for myself for a, a, a particular event I was invited to host. And as the person kept designing the clothes and he would measure me up and size me up and all that stuff, he kept telling me, I used to design for this big name and this big name and this big name. But now, you know, the Lord got me. The Lord got me. And it just was annoying me. Because I wanted to say, first of all, those names are trash. They can't even bar with me. No, no, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> I really wanted to say to him, man, if you, if, if you keep this perspective and you keep thinking like you traded a lot and now you got nothing, then you missed the value of Jesus. You don't, you don't come to God and lose out. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the world? There's something more valuable than the world. It's called your soul. When you come to God, you find you. You lose yourself with everything else in the world. Half of the stress we got in the room is because we chase so much stuff. And you feel I need it and I need it and I need it. And it's like poison. It's like the wolf who, who ate his own blood. Y'all know that story, right? The wolf. Y'all hear me tell it a million times. People put blood on a, a blade and made it a popsicle and dropped it in the wolf path. And so the wolf smelled the blood and he started licking on the blood. And then when it melted, eventually the blade appeared and he cut his own tongue and he was tasting blood. He didn't know it was his own blood. And he kept going. Eventually he died. You got to be careful how much you chase. Because what you're chasing could be killing you. Nobody going to say nothing to me in this place? You going to say nothing to me? Oh, we got to get money out here. You going to get a heart attack for that money out here. Come on. I'm doing this for my family, the one that's about to leave you, the wife that don't know you anymore. I'm doing this for my kids. They don't know you, homeboy. You don't never spend any time with them. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to me because you know how many times even yesterday I'd be having to force myself, go play with your kids. Be around there with you. I want to play Mario. That's my game. And you want to put on Kirby. I don't really like Kirby, though. 
Then they want to go outside and play soccer. To God be the glory. There was a time that used to dread me because couldn't keep up. But now, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Come on, boy. <laughs> but then I learned them. And my patience, I'm able to mold them better. Back of my mind, you gotta text someone, you gotta do this, you gotta do, you gotta you don't gotta do nothing. Because there will never be this age again. Such and such is calling me. They can wait. That urgency you feel always call people back, cut it out. And that urgency you have of people, they have to get back to me. I text them three times. Who are you? Unless you text them, die and chill, bro. <laughs> Let people breathe, man. People live. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. She took the perfume because she found that there's nothing more valuable to me than my relationship with Jesus. And she begun to put it on his feet, and then she took her hair. The Bible talks about a woman's hair being her glory. And she wiped his feet with it. And the house was, the house, the house. So if people were down in the garage or in the basement, wherever they were in the house, they smelt it. It filled the room with the fragrance of perfume. And look at what happens. Here we go. But one of his disciples, Brother Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. I object, Your Honor. <laughs> Why? Listen to his objection. Listen to the objection. Why wasn't this perfume sold? This is what you call virtue signaling. I know y'all hear them terms on TV a lot. There's a lot of virtue signaling and uh, who wants to control the narrative and all this stuff they say on TV. Why wasn't this perfume sold? It's virtue signaling because he's trying to say something that looks virtuous, but he's lying. Why wasn't this money, perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Oh, such a good man, Judas. He cares about the poor. It's worth uh, how, uh, how much? <laughs> this ain't your regular Calvin Klein. This is nard. What you wearing? Ain't nobody got no nard on here. Ain't nobody wearing something that's a, a year's wage in here. This is... So imagine how much it was burning Judas. <laughs> this is the year's wage. Been given to the poor. No, 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 no. Here's really what's going on. Go on to the next verse. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a what? Come on, make some noise if you're a thief. 
as keeper, as keeper of the money bag, as keeper of the money, as keeper of the money bag. Why would Jesus put the man who was a thief in charge of the money bag? Jesus be messing with people, boy. Jesus will put you in charge of your weakness. I mean, you ain't putting nobody who's a thief to watch your bank account. He said, Judas, you t- take care of the money. And Judas said, woo, 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 woo. As keep up the money bag, he used to help himself. I didn't even really get to my point that this story is just so funny. See, all you got to do is read the Bible. He used to help. He, that's beyond thief. You know, I, I stole a couple times in my life. I did it with discretion. My mother had a couple dollars hanging out a bag when I was a kid. I only took the five. I let the hundred and all that stuff live, you know? Come on, somebody. You can't just help yourself to the thing. You know what help yourself means? I'm leaving a dollar for mom. The rest is mine. He helped himself to what was put into it. Oh, man. And then Jesus spoke up. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. That's a crazy statement. I could preach a whole nother message right there. My question becomes, why why is there always going to be poor people among us? Number one, it could be because of government problems, economics. Number two, it could be because of you. You keep yourself poor. Be careful what you believe. He says, you always have poor people, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, see, I ain't lying to you, but also to whom he had That's all you know about Lazarus after he was raised. Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. It's good to be synonymous with your testimony. Go on. So the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well. (laughs) Know that your testimony might be the reason the enemy want to take you out. God bless your word. And for the next couple minutes, just bless the hearts of the people. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's three people at this table, and there's a fourth one who shows up. You already know who I'm talking about. The three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, are at the table with Jesus. Mary, we know, is a server. uh, Martha is a server. The first time we met her, she was serving so much that she got mad that Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet. Mary, who sits at Jesus' feet, is a worshiper. She comes into the room, breaks the glass open, and changes the whole room. She gives honor to Jesus. Lazarus is a testifier. 
three people, three people in the kingdom of God, three people in this room. Servers, people who worship God in the way they serve, they might not be able to shout and give God praise and do all the other stuff that we usually do during praise and worship, but they could serve, man. They'll clean this building. They'll come to you. They'll visit you in the hospital. They'll, they'll call you when you're sick. They'll, they'll, they'll come all the way and get you if you're in trouble. They serve. They serve. But don't ask them to worship. They'll be in church like, Servers always looking around. What else can I do to help pastor? While everybody's worshiping, they're like, pastor need help here. You know what? The ushers need help. This brother need, this sister need help with a baby. I'm going to help. Servers serve. Worshipers, on the other hand, they lift their hands. They go all out for Jesus. They'll give honor wherever. They'll pour their money after Jesus. Anything for the Lord Jesus. They'll give everything they can to bring honor to his name. Testifiers, they, 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 they're different in the sense that they don't, all they ever want to talk about was what he did in their life. Somehow they'll stare the conversation back to him. All three. Some of us got all three in us. Some of us got two and a half. Some of us got one. They're all good. The problem occurs when people look at different people in the way they function at the table and say, because you're not like me, something's wrong with you. Come on, somebody. That's what Mary did in the first time she said, what's wrong with, uh, Martha said, what's wrong with Mary? I want you to listen to this. Language enhances understanding. Language enhances understanding. When I wrote this point, I was going to write language enhances communication. But the problem I had there is that communication can occur, but it doesn't mean we understand. Two people can be talking the same thing, but they don't really understand. And language, I don't mean by us speaking a, a literal language. I means on, it means unless you begin to speak the language of the person, the understanding would not be able to be enhanced. Now, why is that important? Nelson Mandela made a statement that I read that was so good. He said, if you speak a man's language, you'll go to his head. But if you speak a, 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 a language in his native tongue, you'll go to his heart. For example, if I go anywhere in this world and people speak English, it's, it's different. But if they, if they say, Wapumbana, It changed the whole dynamic for me. I know where you born. I know you mother. I know you auntie. I know everything about you. It's one thing to speak and, and communicate. It's another thing when you come into the vein of where the person lives. And it enhances understanding. Why is that important? Because understanding, listen to this, allows grace. Understanding allows appreciation or the ability to correct. Without understanding, you don't give grace. In marriages, in friendships, in whatever you do in life, it is very important that you understand first. Don't be like me. I am usually the guy who shoot first and then wonder why I killed. 
Come on. It is very important to listen. And unless you listen and understand the nature of the person and see things from their point of view, you would not be able to give grace. Some, some of us walk around because we've never lived in anybody else's shoes and we don't give grace to it because we can't relate to it. But if you take time to understand their language, understand the world they grew up in, understand where they came from, it might give you the ability to give grace. It might even give you the ability to appreciate somebody even more. You see, 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 two people can walk in this room and do the same thing, but they don't come from the same place. That's why when the, the one lady that walked in and she glorified Jesus and, and, and they all sat back and said, if Jesus knew what type of woman she was, he would stop her. He said, if you knew where this woman came from, you'd know that her praise is bigger than what you're thinking in your heart. Because she came from something crazier. But unless you understand that, people went to give tithes at the temple. Jesus said, this woman who gave the, the widows might gave more because he understood where she came from. If you want your relationships to work, stop trying to make everybody you. I learned that about me and my wife. I'm a person who likes to hug and Hallelujah. I got to hold hands in the car. Amen. The Lord then left this place. Hallelujah. I, I got to, you know, my wife on the other hand, she's a server. It'd be one o'clock in the morning. We're doing, I'm going to wash dishes. There's two dishes down there. You could get it tomorrow. I know. I just got to do it. And I didn't understand it. So we used to, I used to feel like, man, I want, I, you know, it's like la ladies do this a lot, you know. Men do it too. I want you to want it. Like I, I was talking to a lady. A lady said, she said to me, I was telling somebody this this week too. She said, every time, it's, the, the husband said, every time it's Christmas, she want me to paint the, the house. And I, I don't want to paint, but I eventually do it. So I said, what's the problem? The man does it. She says, yes, pastor, but I don't want him to paint it. I want him to want to paint it. <laughs> she is not right. She's not right. He don't want to paint it, but he's doing it. Appreciate that it came from a place of sacrifice. Everybody's not going to want what you want, and that was my problem in the car. I want, I want, I want to hold her hands, but I want, I ask her, can I hold your hands? Sure. But I want you to want me to. But I'm not, I'm not you, bro. And do you know how much we could avoid when you stop trying to make people you? Your relationship at the job. Take time to understand who you're working with. Know them that labor among you and life would be easier. You'll be able to have a, you'll know how to pray for them. And if you ever want to correct them, you can't correct somebody if you don't show them you love them and I'm, where, I'm here with you first. Some people want to correct you and they don't even know you. You can't see me in a supermarket one time and come up to me, young man, let me tell you something. I don't know you, granny. <laughs> this generation's like that. 
I don't know you because they don't know. Like, Granny, you don't really care about me. People don't really care what you feel until they know that you care. And then you can have the ability to correct properly. Three people at the table. Let's not ever judge each other because we're different. Let's celebrate our differences. Come on, somebody. The world could learn a lot from that. That's the problem with the world and politics. That's the problem with American politics. That's why we all divided, because nobody could celebrate their difference. Nobody could think different. If you think different, you're a problem. Nah, I want to hear what you have. I actually want to hear what the difference in the room is. If you're a good leader, you want to hear the difference. Anybody who's ever going to build something wants to hear what they didn't think. If all you do is surround yourself with people who tell you what you already think, you ain't going to think bigger than that. But when somebody walks up to you and say, what if your perspective is wrong? And you humble yourself and say, talk to me. You'll learn. You'll grow. You'll grow. Amen, somebody? Amen. That's the first thing I want you to know. And then we got the three people I want to go into that. First is to serve. Listen to this, y'all. To love is to serve. A lot of people want to serve, and they find serving hard to do. Your heart would never be in service if you don't first love what it is you're doing. It's not a problem for me to serve my wife because I love her. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying it, is, 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 it doesn't take moments where you're like, I don't feel like doing this. But I still persevere beyond my feelings because the person that I'm doing it for is greater than my feelings. Come on, somebody. I'm helping your life today. I'm changing your world right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm right, right? <laughs> to love is to, to serve. You can't love somebody and don't want to ever do something for them. The world tells you you love based on what they could do for you. God loves you while you were yet a sinner. There was nothing in it for him. L true love doesn't ask the object what you can do for me. True love looks at the object and says what I can do for it. And that's how we don't love. Men nowadays hold a door for a lady and expect all types of stuff at the end of the night. Bro, you held the door, my guy. You held a door. <laughs> to love is to serve. Yeah. To love is to serve. Yeah. To love is to serve. Yeah. If you love, you will serve. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Look at this. To live is to serve. Jesus said this. If you want to find your life, you must first what? Lose it. To live is to serve. So many people live and just think it's all about me, get, get, get all I can, and you miss life with that. That stuff leaves you to emptiness. But when you give your life away to the service of mankind, service of humanity, the service of God, your life becomes way more meaningful. If you're depressed right now, stop thinking about your life. Start doing something for somebody else and talk to me in a week. 
Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Like, find somebody you really going to help. And stop always trying to be helped. I lost my audience. Two people online watching. Please subscribe. <laughs> and to succeed is to serve. Everybody wants you to buy their product, and their product do nothing for you. I'll prove it to you. Jesus said the greatest is a servant. Any company that is ever successful is successful because of this principle. What they supply to the market served a need. Where service is, success will follow. If you bring a product to the market, that don't serve nothing, they're going to serve all your products right back to you. Service follows, success follows service. And if you want your life to count, if you want to be your life, everything that you do, ask yourself, how is this enhancing life? How is what I'm doing enhancing life? The more you are skilled and you offer something from life is the more demand you are in. That's why when you go to an interview, they want to know what you do, what you bring to the table. You know how many marriages? People always say, you know, Pastor, I put my prayer list together of the husband or wife I want. I want a husband who is six foot Four inches tall. And he must be slim. And he must have a six pack. And he must whatever else. And, and he must be intelligent. He must be wise like Solomon. He must be a worshiper like David. He must be able to encourage my spirit like T.D. Jakes to Sarita. And when he is mad at me, he must be gentle like Joel Osteen. <laughs> he must have a degree, drive a Tesla, and, and be on his way to real lot of success. Here's my question. Can I see your resume? Eat whatever you want. Don't take care of your body. It's going to get quiet. You, everybody know me. They got to deal with me. They understand this is how I was raised. So when I give them, they know it ain't nothing personal. I just got to tell them. You not Joel Osteen. You not, you not. I be worshiping on, like, I, every, every day you don't got to worship. But you want all of this? You want service. You want service, but you don't give any service. What do you bring to the table? 
Every day I look at my own marriage, my own life, with my friends, with everything I got, and I say, God, what do I bring to the table? With the church, what do I bring to the table? That's why my mind is so focused on the things God has given me. I can't wait for people to do what God has given me. I'm going to bring what I got to bring to the table, and, and as you build it, let them come. That's why I'm selling these tickets to this concert. Y'all going to miss out, but it don't matter to me because this room going to be packed. I'm going to do me because I know what service I give, and I give the best of what I could give, and I let God deal with the rest. But I know success will always follow service. Come on, somebody. I want to go through this. Look, 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 look. I'm going to go through this quick. Worship Mary. Worship changes the room. She came in. She broke it open. She changed the room. If you're going through something, I want you to start worshiping. Put on some worship music. Hallelujah. Come on, the prophet Biggie is not going to lead you to the throne room. Brother Vibes Cartel is not going to take you into the presence. We want you to lift holy hands, not gun finger. That music has its place, whatever. I'm not here to judge anybody. But that music, let me tell you something. If you want to see your room change, and when I say room, I don't mean just the room. If you want to change the room. What's playing in the room? If it's all literal, lyrical pornography, don't ever wonder why your room is struggling with it. Lyrical pornography. If, If all you watch... You know how many people be coming up to me, yo, pastor, here's something I saw on Netflix. I feel like that's in the Bible. I'd be like, bro, I don't even want to talk to you right now, bro. Like, there's no Netflix in this Bible, bro. Like, stop watching TV. Yo, I was watching the show and I got a revelation, bro. When the last time you read your Bible? I ain't reading in a while, but I got, I believe it was God talking to me. It was a death scene as he was killing his man. I just saw God. We good. Worship changes the room. Not only does it change the room, worship exposes the room. Judas didn't act up until she began to worship. And when you begin to worship, not only do you change the room, you begin to illuminate what's wrong with the room. Come on, somebody. That's why you got to have some worship music. You got to be in the car. You got to, you got to keep the radio. Listen, the Bible comes in so many forms now. You don't even got to read it. You can listen to it. Keep it on. Hallelujah. That was Mary. And then there was Lazarus, the testimony guy. Listen to this, y'all. A testimony is not only what has happened, but what has happened to us as a result of what has happened. I'm going to say that again slowly. A testimony is not only what has happened, but what has happened to us as a result of what has happened. In other words, it could happen to you and there's still no change. But a true testimony is when what has happened to you changed you. 
so that people, imagine if Lazarus came out the, 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 the grave and started cussing people out and living wild and, you know what I'm saying, playing CeeLo on the block. Be like, you Lazarus? Yeah, yeah. What, what was the point of keeping you alive? You know how many people would just want God to save them so they could go back wilding? What's the point? Come on, talk to me. That's not a testimony that I want to hear. Yo, when I was young, God healed me. You know what I'm saying? Pray for a brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm still out here. You know, I got to do what I got to do to make ends meet. But I'll be loving God. Brother, it did nothing. He saved your life. Live like somebody saved your life. If he gave you a second chance, live like you were given a second chance. If he gave you a third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance, live like he changed you. Live like he did something in your life. A testimony ain't what happened to you. It's what has happened to you as a result of what has happened. And I want to see when God moves in somebody's life for real, you see it in the way they walk. So Christians don't walk to get approved, but because we've been approved, we walk different. Come on, somebody. And listen, listen, y'all. This brings me to the fourth person at the table. Brother Judas. Present in number, but not in nature. What do you mean? Judas makes up numbers. He's there, but he's not of the mindset as the rest. He's there in number, but not in nature. You know how many people in church is here in number, but not in nature. And these kind of people are the people that always look at the other three and virtue signal. Why are they doing it that way? They could have done it this way. Judas is somebody, the Bible says, is a thief. All he ever does is take and take and take and take and take and take and take. Every now and then he stops to tell everybody why they wrong for doing the good they do, then go back to take in and take 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 and Judas ends up on a tree hung because he never found the meaning of life. Listen to this, y'all. Listen to this. Selfishness is not living as one wishes to live. It is asking others to live as one wishes to live. What does that mean, Pastor? I think that church ought to be doing more for the community. I think that church ought to be doing, I think that church ought to be, I think, I think they should, I think you should, I think, lady, I'm married to you, but I think if you did, I think if you, I think, and everything you think, you don't never do. What do you do for the community? What do you do for the woman? 
What do you do? Selfish people, all they do is take, 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 take. They come to church. This pastor better preach good. He's already not in a suit and tie. <laughs> Half of his anointing is gone. <laughs> better have a word. You missed the point of church. Church, any church that revolves around a pastor, leave. Jesus is the center. I will fail you. I promise you I will. So when it happens, don't get mad. But Jesus won't. Takers, all they do is take, take, take. And this man sat at the table, and he had the nerve to look at this woman and said, you could have sold this and give it to the poor. Be careful that when you, man, this is something that I, I wrestle with as a, a human being in trying to be a good human being. That's why sometimes I don't, I don't deal with, I don't even post on social, I don't, I don't even put my comments on things because I want my heart to be pure. I want if I comment on something that is coming not from a virtue signaling. Some of us make comments sometimes not based on the heart of this change really needs to happen, but I'm going to look good when they read what I wrote. Come on, somebody. I... The church of Jesus Christ is so lost today. They should just go out and preach the word. They're not loving on people. Send like, 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 like. Oh, brother, you're so right. Brother, you're so right. And it's a bunch of people who don't go to church. Listen to this. I'm getting ready to close. It takes no work to be selfish. None. You are born that way. I got a little son, right? You with me today. You preaching with me, so we're going to preach together. I got a little son by the name of Silas, right? He just got here. He's five. He's six now. He turned six this week. He takes checks, cash app. You're just going to have to send it to his dad. He turned six this week. But Silas, he cute. And when he cute, you get away with a lot. I didn't have to teach him to be selfish. I didn't have to teach him to hide his stuff and not want to share it. I didn't have to teach Shy that. I didn't have to teach Savannah that. Savannah don't think she's selfish, but you touch Savannah food. Just try to touch. <laughs> look, she's already trying to defend herself. Look, look. The, uh, 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 the Lord is working. <laughs> I didn't have to teach Sevy to be selfish. Nobody had to teach me to be selfish. It's in us. We spend the rest of our life not trying to focus on us. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me, man. He's with a man who's about to go on a cross and die for the world. 
He's with Jesus. He's seen Jesus feed people. He's seen all of the good things Jesus did. He's in a house where the people prepared a dinner for the master. The Bible talks about this Mary. She's honoring him. And he got the nerve to look at it and say, why are you doing this? The things that bothers you can indicate to you where you are. What are you really mad at? Why are you really mad at this? What? What? Anybody ever been mad in this room? I mean, angry. And and, and in your anger, you frustrated and. Why are you mad? Because the anger could really indicate to you what's really wrong with you. And if Judas had ever stopped to say, I'm tripping and fix that, he probably wouldn't end up suicidal. Why are you always yelling? What are you so angry about? If you're in the house, are you there in number or nature? I'm in this house. But you checked out a long time ago. If you're in the church, are you in the church by number or nature? My favorite team says there's strength in numbers. The truth is, the Bible says on the day of Pentecost, there were one accord. Strength, when the mindset is one. The only reason that arena erupts when they play is because the, the five men on the floor better be one in nature. Don't be the fourth person at the table. Don't be the fourth person at the table. There's a God who wants to change you. I'm done. But can I just show you something interesting that I saw in Scripture years ago? The Bible says Satan entered Judas. And he went and betrayed Jesus. A couple verses later, it said, Peter spoke up and said, I'll never deny you. And Jesus said this to him, Satan desired to sift you like wheat. The word you there in the Bible is plural. So when he spoke, he was telling all the disciples in the room. It seems like Satan and Jesus had a conversation. The Bible doesn't say that. But Jesus says, Satan came and he desired to sift you like wheat. And he says, but I have prayed for you. In other words, all of you would become like Judas. He wanted not just Judas, he wanted every one of you. 
but I'm the one who's keeping you. But he didn't keep Judas. Why? Theologians argue that forever. But there's a verse later on that John talks about that says he never believed. And that's why you see when John writes about him in this, even though he's writing a story in the past tense, he's the one who betrayed for he was a thief. They started unpacking his nature. You could be in the room but not of the room. You could be in the presence but never changed. You could know the same Jesus and hear the same message but never transformed and it makes no difference if the transformation is not occurring. Who am I talking to today? God, help me to be a servant. Help me to be a worshiper. And help my testimony to speak from my life. Help me not to be a thief, a taker, a selfish person who only sees your existence for my benefit. Forgive me. If you are in this room, I just want you to take a moment to talk to God right now. I believe this is a good opportunity for anybody. If you don't know how to, it's very simple. Just talk to him. It's like you would talk to a friend. If you don't want to say it out loud, he hears your thoughts. But take a moment right now to talk to God. In the name of Jesus, Father, move all over this room. Move all over the internet. Move in the lives of the people that are here. Move in their hearts and minds. You see people, God, that are carrying burdens. God, you know I've carried mine. Forgive me of every sin, Father. Help me to be more like you, God. Help me to be like Mary. Help me to pour my all out to you. If you're in this room and you need a word of prayer, just stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I'll pray with you. And just raise your hands to heaven right where you are. God, in the name of Jesus, Meet people right where they are. You see their hearts and their minds. You see what they're wrestling with today. You see their sincerity for you to touch them. Those desiring you to heal their bodies, you're a healer. Those desiring you to heal their minds, you're a healer. Those desiring you to save a friend or a family loved one or to come through in a circumstance, you're the God that answers prayers. Those that are praying for their marriages, for their children, those that are praying for finances and open doors, whatever we believe in you for, you're the answer. But most of all, God, may all of our hearts be towards you, towards loving you and wanting to grow in you, wanting to know more about you, wanting to be transformed by you. God, today we ask that you would really touch us with your love. If there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior and you want to change your life radically and follow Jesus, 
And if you're watching online and that's you, I want you to pray with me and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Pray with me, church. Say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of every sin. Father, I am your child and I ask you to be merciful to me. Transform me by your blood. I believe you died and I believe you rose for my sins and God from today I'm saved in Jesus name amen hallelujah give Jesus a round of applause you may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you said that prayer if you said that prayer today listen that's just your intro we want to walk with you practically what it means to follow Jesus. We have a class that meets on Zoom at your convenience that you can learn and grow in the Lord. We've got a book we would like to give to you. Those watching online, jump to churchcityusa.com. Send us an email. Tell us you said that prayer. Those in the building that said that prayer, let, let one of the ushers know you said that prayer. Leave your name with them and a way we can contact you. And we'll be in touch with you. And we'll disciple you the best that we know how. There's a lot that we're working on in this season. And there's a lot that our church is trying to do. I pray that you were blessed today by today's service. Come on, were you blessed today? Come on, give Jesus a round of applause. I pray that you keep coming back to Church City, amen? Hey, listen. Uh, for those of you who continue to sow and give to our church, we thank God for you. Those of you who want an opportunity to give, we'll give you an opportunity to give. We're a church that never tells you what to give. We believe in tithing. A tithing is a tenth. And if you want to tithe, you can go ahead and do so. Amen. Those that are members and have been here long and have been tithing, we thank you for your faithful giving. It continues to help us keep our building open and to do the things we want to do. Amen. And if you want to give, all the ways that you could give digitally are on the screen. They're on your screen, those that are watching. If you want to give conventionally, the old way, the ushers are right over there, hands raised. There's an envelope you can give. If you want to give by cash or check, see the ushers. They will assist you. Amen. And I just want to thank everyone who continues to sow into the house of the Lord. We've got a lot of things that we've got planned that we want to do. Amen. And the Lord continues to uh, allow us to do what we want to do because of you guys. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. Would you stand? And I want to pray. I want to pray over uh, your offering. And I want to pray that the Lord would bless you today. And we are going to begin to dismiss this service. Please make sure you visit the wall of hope. Amen. Visit the wall of hope. And not only visit the wall of hope, but when you go outside, we've got... I believe they got roti and curry today. I hear a lot of it. For those of you who don't know that, that is Caribbean cuisine. That will have you saying it's good. Hallelujah. Make sure you get that. Amen. And then I'm going to remind you, if you plan to come to the concert, see the ushers, grab your tickets. Even if you don't pay, secure your seat. We'll make sure that you're in there. Because I'm assuming by the rest of this week, this concert will be closed. Amen. And I would love your support. I would love to see Church City people in the building. 
Amen. And we're going to close in prayer today. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. Please continue to visit us online, churchcityusa.com. And please check out all our gear that we, we got. It's over there at the table. You know, uh, yeah. Amen. So make sure you visit that. And uh, so good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to ask my daughter Savannah to come and close us in prayer. Hallelujah. Everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes. Hallelujah. Uh, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message. God, um, thank you for bringing us all here safely. I pray that you would continue to grow the church. God, I pray that we would continue to become closer as a church and just do things for the community. Let the whole world know about you, God. I pray that the funds that we're raising would uh, eventually get us a building, whatever the building may be, let us get it, God. And I pray that Dad's concert would go well. God, I just pray that everything that our church is doing, that it would go to your glory. Thank you for the service. Let us all go home safely. Let us eat well. Amen. Amen. Wait, uh, now, I'm suspecting, Brother Ian, are these all your friends? Did anybody else take up this challenge this week? This is one, two, three. Okay, all right, I got you. I got you. Anybody else? And we got a friend over there. Come on, welcome Brother Ian's friends. I hope you enjoyed the service, guys. You're welcome to come back anytime. All right, y'all, help me close this off. In the midst of crisis, we are focused on who Christ is. God bless y'all. Have a great day. Wow, thanks for joining us today. And man, that was an awesome service. It was a pleasure having y'all. Please don't forget, visit us online at churchcityusa.com and see what events we have coming up. Not only that, but shoot us an email. If this service was a blessing to you and it touched your heart, shoot us an email at churchcityusa at gmail.com.